Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. Right, we're still in our study of Acts, journeying through the book of Acts. It's been really good, hasn't it? Each week has been building on the last. I think it's been brilliant. And I'm going to read a bit from chapter 4 in Acts and chapter 5. There's quite a bit to read. And I won't apologize for reading God's word, um, but I have picked a selection of verses and I think John's going to make the magic happen. It'll appear behind me. Um, Okay, glasses off so I can see what I'm doing. (laughs) Thanks, Mark. (laughs) Right, I'm starting at verse 23, does that say? I can barely see it, it's tiny. The church praise is the heading that's in my Bible. As soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and they explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. When the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity and prayed, Lord Yahweh, you are the Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that is in them. Jumping down now a bit. Empower us, they continue their prayers. Empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus At that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building that they were in to tremble. I want that to happen. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. Unrestrained boldness. Right, chapter 5 I'm in now. The high priest and the officials who formed the party of the Sadducees became extremely jealous over all that was happening. So they had the apostles arrested, placed in chains, and thrown into jail. But during the night, the Lord sent an angel who appeared before them. He supernaturally opened the prison doors and brought the apostles outside. Go, the angel told them, stand in the temple courts and preach the words that bring life. So early that morning, they entered the temple courts and taught the people. Then the high priests and his officials, unaware of their supernatural release, convened the members of the Supreme Council, and they sent for the apostles to be brought, brought there from prison. Someone came and informed them, the men you put in prison are out there standing in the temple courts preaching to the people. Wouldn't you love to see their faces right then? I would love to have been there. So the captain of the temple and his uh, temple guard and his officers went to arrest them once again, but without using force, for they were afraid that the people would stone them. When they brought them before the council, the high priest demanded an explanation, saying, didn't we strictly warn you that you were to never again teach in this name? But instead, you have filled all of Jerusalem with this doctrine and are committed to holding us responsible for this man's death. Peter and the apostles replied, we must listen to and obey God more than pleasing religious leaders. 
<laughs> you had Jesus arrested and killed by crucifixion, but the God of our forefathers has raised him up. He's the one God has exalted and seated at his right hand as our savior and champion. He's the provider of grace, the redeemer of Israel. We're witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God freely gives to all who believe in him. When they heard this, they were infuriated. They were determined to murder them. The end of the chapter says, so they brought the apostles back in and had them severely beaten. They ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go. So the apostles were silent. No, actually they weren't. They left there rejoicing, rejoicing. They were thrilled that God had considered them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. How humbling is that? And nothing stopped them. They kept preaching every day in the temple courts. And they went from house to house, preaching the gospel of Jesus, God's anointed one. Wow. I think given what we've just um, read, I want to begin by saying we should never take for granted the freedom that we have to worship because we can lift Jesus name high we can shout him from the rooftops we can go out into the streets we don't even have to be hidden in a building we're allowed to go on the streets and shout his name without fear of any threat but not so in some parts of the world even today Christians are being persecuted beaten, imprisoned, some even killed because they worship Jesus. So we should pray for our brothers and sisters who face trials like this. But though we intercede for them, their story is not our story. Um... I want to focus this morning on what God is saying to us in whatever it is we're facing today. Because each one of us encountered difficulties. And even our children are not immune. In this day and age when society is encouraging our young people in particular to be whoever and whatever they want to be, promoting morals that often jar with our own. Our kids who profess the name of Christ often find themselves lonely and ridiculed in school, fact. And sometimes it's not just the students who are ridiculing our, stu our, our kids. What are we doing about this? Are we encouraging our children to dumb down their faith or to hide their faith in favor of a quiet life? Or are we equipping our children to know how to deal with opposition, how to deal with hostility, how to come against it in Jesus' name and in Jesus' spirit 
to be effective witnesses and to bring the kingdom into their schools. From the time I carried my girls inside me, my priority was um, their, their protection. So I was watching what I was eating, what activities to do or not to do to ensure their safety and their health. And while that's still a, a major role as a mom is to protect them, I realize I can't insulate my girls from every hurt in life. And you know what? It, it would actually be damaging for me to do that. Because another one of my roles is to prepare my girls for life so that they can stand on their own two feet and that when opposition comes along, they have the resources to know how to handle it. That they know how to process and how to recover from hurts and from disappointments. And that they know how to navigate the tough times in life. So it's not a message this morning on how to avoid hardships, because we can't. We live in a fallen world, and so some amount of, of strife is inevitable. Jesus said to us, when suffering comes, and throughout the Bible, God repeatedly urges his people, stand firm, be strong, believe, keep trusting, persevere, have faith, don't give up. Um, so how do we endure when this stuff happens? I've been thinking about success. What does success actually mean? What does it look like? For most of us, well, for me anyway, <laughs> success looks like when a problem is resolved, something is sorted out, finished. But you know what I discovered? That the Lord has a different set of criteria for measuring success. To him, victory is altogether different. He watches us in the process. He doesn't just look to the end result. He's watching us in the process. He's watching how are they being changed in the process? How are they becoming more like my son, Jesus? That's success. So how do we do that? I think success can be just picking ourselves back up, helping each other back up, <laughs> getting back up whether we're covered in mud, whether we're bruised and battered, getting back up, putting one foot in front of the other. It's not always easy. That's success. And throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus, suffer, uh, Jesus followers um, going through horrendous suffering. We read about some of it there, imprisonment, beatings, all sorts of accusations, some of them even losing their lives. How did they respond? Well, in the passages we read this morning, we're told that the apostles were bold in the extreme. <laughs> they were brave. They were obedient 
they rejoiced. And they were faithful and relentless. They never changed the agenda. When opposition came along, they just kept going. They were fixed on bringing God's kingdom, regardless of the dangers. Worship and thankfulness play a crucial part in this process, I believe. As we praise God, taking our eyes off the problem and looking to him, we're taken into his presence where we can behold his glory. Everything looks different in God's presence. Did you hear what Nick said this morning that God revealed to her during the week? About loving each other is a way to behold his glory. According to Psalm 100, um, thankfulness is what gets us through his gates. It's pretty important. Thankfulness. A grateful heart is a powerful tool in breaking the hold that the enemy has over us. Choosing to be thankful in the face of lack, in the face of disappointment and even pain is powerful at breaking the, the armies of darkness around us. Powerful stuff. I'm not advocating that we should pretend that bad stuff's not happening because that's just stupid, <laughs> basically. Um, but what we can do is deny, deny that situation power over us, deny it influence over us. Is it happening? Yes. Yes, it's a bummer and it hurts, but... But, Pat, you're right, but we're not going to give that a place to influence us, to take us out of our peace, to take our eyes off what the Lord has told us and where he's taken us. We empower whatever we focus on. Imagine that. So if we're spending time focusing on our problems, it's not going to go well for us. Yes, we know they're there, we acknowledge them, but we're looking back to the Lord and keeping his perspective. I don't believe for a second that the first century apostles put their hands over their eyes and ears and denied that that stuff was happening to them. Of course they didn't. It was very real. It was very real to them. But they didn't allow the enemy to have influence over them. Their peace and their joy and their hope came from a much higher and much more powerful source, as does ours. These guys that we read about also had the future in mind. They weren't just focused on the today. They had hope. They held on to the promise of eternity. Hope, H-O-P-E, held on to the promise of eternity. It's good, isn't it? They walked by faith and they allowed the Lord to reveal to them what their human eyes 
couldn't see. And in the same way, heaven's perspective is paramount to us. God, where are you in the midst of this mess? How do you see me in this situation? And who have you put around me for this moment? Heaven's perspective. When considering this topic and how to endure tough things, I'm always quick to look to King David. And uh, he's a guy who knew about trials and suffering. Um, And he had to learn how to deal with it. And it says even when his own men wanted to kill him, that David strengthened himself in the Lord. Oh, isn't that brilliant? Strengthened himself in the Lord. And the same guy went on to write Psalm 23 and give us some pointers on how we can deal with hardships. In the dark valleys... We walk through them. We don't stop. Don't stop in the dark valleys. We need to keep going. We need to keep going until we get to those pastures. It's dangerous. It's, it's very damaging to settle in the dark valleys. So we keep going. And we keep going until we come out to the lush pastures. That's where we can rest. That's where we can lie down and be refreshed by the streams. Another thing that marked these apostles is that they were together. Did you notice when they were let out of prison, what did they do first? They went to the others and they gathered together was the first thing they did when they got the chance they made sure they had time together they were committed to community Um, for years I was living a life that I knew was way short of God's best for me and I felt the pain and I felt the disappointment of that every day. But I chose to withdraw and to hide my shame. And all that did was it left me lonely and it left me believing a lie that I was going to have to carry that shame forever and that I was a failure. So eventually, I started to open up. And I'll tell you, there's risk with vulnerability. What if they judge me? What if they reject me? But I realized that true connection is only possible when we drop the facade and share the real us with others. 
the hopes, the dreams, the successes, the failures, the fears, the whole lot. And you know what? I stepped into that, and it's still a journey. It'll always be a journey, and it's a choice. But I stepped into it, and the most significant outcome of that for me is that I became known. That's a big deal, because every one of us are created with a deep longing, a need to be known. I'm not talking about being famous um, or even being super visible, doing things at the front of church. It's not what I mean. But even the most introverted among us was designed to be known and loved and to belong. And it's an amazing feeling when you do share yourself with someone and you're accepted and you're loved for who you really are, warts and all. Yeah? Community was God's idea. It's his plan A method for doing life. And I'm convinced we should be focusing on serving, loving, and leaning on the body of Christ. Community brings greater strength it brings increased wisdom and encouragement. I don't know about you, but I need that stuff. <laughs> when we're weary from battle, we can lean on the strength of family. And their perspective can, can often bring what we need. Their wisdom can show us something that we've missed. I need that. And do you remember that dark valley that I mentioned a few minutes ago from Psalm 23? I learned something else as well about community. I discovered that true friends won't let you stay in that place. They won't allow you to lie down there even when you're spent and you've no energy left. They'll encourage you out the other side or they will carry you bodily out, whatever is required, but you won't be allowed to stay there. We're told that the apostles gathered to pray and to worship together. I've absolutely no doubt that they got strength from the Lord in those times, but also strength from each other. I'm convinced of it. They got something from those meetings that I don't believe they would have if they had separated themselves and decided to only worship and pray individually. I think they'd have been missing out on something. There's an African proverb, and it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, 
go together. It's good. Do we want to be a people who go the distance and who aren't beaten down by adversity? Are we prioritizing community? Those meetings, when they gathered together in each other's houses, I, I reckon that it involved stories of what God's done as well. Prayer and worship and testimony. And we know that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when, when we recount something that God has done, we're creating an atmosphere for him to do it again. Do it again, God. We should never underestimate the power of testimony for building faith, for encouraging, for changing atmospheres. Connected to that, we can also meditate on God's promises. The promises in the Bible, hundreds if not thousands of them in there, and also the words that he's spoken to us. Meditate on them so that they become real to us. You know they can sustain us just like food does. And not only are they a source of strength, but the Apostle Paul told Timothy that they're weapons. He said, hang on to those promises. Use them because they're weapons to defeat the enemy. Now, Paul, there's a guy who knew a thing or two about how to overcome adversity. So I listened to him. I was talking with a friend last week about this topic, and, and she very helpfully gave me a wee analogy about an airline pilot, which was right up my street, actually, because I love aviation. Um, there are times where we're flying, and we'll hear an announcement from the flight deck. This is your captain. There's turbulence ahead. Fasten your seatbelts. Okay. In those moments, our only option is to listen to the voice of authority and to strap ourselves in. It's all we've got to do. And I think there are times where the Lord requires us to sit down, to buckle up, and to trust him to navigate us through the turbulence. There's nothing we could do to fly the plane, is there? And God knew what he was doing. <laughs> he sent Emmanuel, God with us, because he knew we'd be facing stuff that we could never get through by ourselves. He knew we would have to rely on Jesus and those around us as well. The apostles are, were very secure in their identity in the Lord. They were confident in their purpose and they were utterly convinced that Jesus was who he said he is. No doubt in their mind. 
and these things helped to keep them going. Gave them the vision to carry on. And you know, there are some heroes of mine right in this room. People who have faced awful trials, horrible situations, and heartbreak. But they determined not to give up. They wouldn't be beaten down by their circumstances. They kept trusting in who they knew the Lord to be and trusting in what he had said to them. They chose to stay connected to other people. They kept their hearts open and they chose to love. That's why they're my heroes. These inspiring overcomers are sitting among you. In fact, you may be one of them. Maybe I don't know your story, but someone should. Clearly, we don't always have a say in the circumstances that come our way. But we definitely have options in how to handle it. It's said that he who has the most hope will have the most influence. He who has the most hope will have the most influence. I think hope is the thing that the world out there is most desperate for at the minute. Our world needs hope. And when we carry hope, we're seeing from and releasing heaven's perspective. And people are drawn to that. And finally, I want to encourage you. Good news. <laughs> the Lord will never, never send us into any circumstance that we can't win. He won't do it. He equips us for victory on every occasion. Not just some, every occasion. He's given us precisely what we need to overcome whatever comes at us. But remember what success looks like? Getting back up. Might be just getting up every morning. Might be success. Coming to church might be success. Putting one foot in front of the other not given up. That's success. I would love to just wrap it up with a quick prayer. Is that okay? Okay.
Emmanuel, thank you for being with us today and every day. Thanks a million, Lord, that you've set us up for victory and you've given us everything we could possibly need to overcome. Our scars and our bruises, they're not signs of weakness. They're reminders of your strength in us. God, we want to demonstrate true hope to the world. Help us to commit to each other so that we can run far and finish strong. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for Paula. Yay!